This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life, and that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Spreading freedom across the nation. This is the Buck Sexton Show. All right, Team Buck, welcome back to the Freedom Hut. We are joined by our friend Tom Rogan. He is a domestic and foreign policy writer at National Review and a contributor to the McLaughlin Group. And I've been seeing him making some excellent appearances on Brett Bear's formidable panel on the uh, special report with uh, Brett Bear. So, Tom, congrats on all that. Sometimes you're hanging out with me in the night, Freedom Hut, uh, because I have the monitor on in there and I can see you, but I can't hear you on the Brett Bear show. Uh, Brett Bear show. Brett, oh, right. show. Brett Bear show. Oh, excellent. Well, thank you for yeah, that. That's a fun, it must be a fun, that must be a cool show to do. Uh, how, you, were, uh, you were on earlier, what was it, last week? or A couple of weeks ago, I think it was the last time I was on. But yeah, it's, it's a yeah. lot of... Um, you know, it's a lot of fun to do, and everyone's very pleasant. The production crew very nice as well, and panelists uh, tend to be tend to be nice. So I'm, you know, it's which, which is not necessarily the case in, in media. So uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm enjoying it a lot, and hopefully be able to keep doing it. Um, but yeah, yeah. Everybody you. tells me that uh, that Brett is a, is a total pro and a gentleman, so that's cool too. He's a very very. Uh, you know, kind man, very, very much a gentleman. Um, and so uh, uh, let's talk a bit about your latest piece. Or actually, before I ask you about your latest piece, uh, CPAC, are you there or are you just chilling? Um, I actually did a panel yesterday with uh, John Schindler uh, on Russia, just the two of us. Um, but oh, our buddy Schindler. Okay, yeah. tell him. Wait, I, I should, I should have him call in now. I, we've been saying we're going to do. You know what? We'll do on the night show. We'll do a whole hour with you and Rogan. I'll, I will set this up soon. Um, if you don't mind, I mean, we'll have you guys on, or at least uh, there's a couple of segments, a half hour. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but we got to do a UN Schindler because I want you both on at the same time to talk about this stuff. If you don't mind, give me some. John seems, and, and John is, is very smart, but also really hates Trump. John seems convinced from what I see of his writing recently that, tr- that, that, that Trump is guilty of illegal collusion with Russia or his senior aides are guilty of illegal collusion. And it's only a matter of time before we find this out. Is, is that well, what you guys are talking about? Tell me what's going on here. Well, I, you know, I don't want to put words in uh, John's mouth, but I mean, he, I think there is, he has a lot of concern. And, and quite frankly, I share some of it talking to uh, some, some people in Europe um, that, that, that there are sort of, I think, stories that, that will come out. That The question is, to what proximity do they have relationship with the president? Um, 
And of course, let's hope. Okay, so so today. forget forget about me asking. And you know, we we have Schindler on here all the time, so I'll I'll have him back on. And I didn't mean to ask you about what he, what he said. I did, I meant more just sort of the panel. Uh, but let's focus in on what you think. Uh, do you think that the president, uh, when I say you think, do you think that there's evidence already that Donald Trump did something illegal or has illegal ties to Russia, um, that there's really something to this beyond? I, look, I would agree. Anyone who says that he makes comments about Putin that are, are weird and seem to be based in some ignorance of Putin, 100% endorse and agree with that statement. Anyone who says that uh, they're... There there could be policies that are too favorable towards the Kremlin that come out of this administration based on those statements. OK, I, I could that hasn't happened yet, but I could see that that is a concern. But then, of course, we could talk about Obama for eight years. And but what I'm seeing are people saying that they believe that there were that there was collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia and that and that he is uh, compromised deeply and to the point of betrayal by Russia. I don't see any evidence of that, Tom. If you see it or if you know somebody who's making that claim, what evidence are they pointing to? Well, you know, at, at present, uh, I think you're right to say that. There's nothing in the, in the public domain. But I suspect, um, you know, that what, what you are seeing on the part of the – I mean, you've seen today the, the, that the White House was trying to put, get the FBI to back away from, you know, the idea that they're investigating officials for – relationships with Russia. Now, th those are people proximate to the president. I think there's good circumstantial evidence um, pointing at other evidence that will come out in, in the next few weeks that those contexts were, to some degree, um, malevolent. Um, again, does that link to the president? But the, the other issue, I think, here is twofold. What, what, to what degree is there a relationship uh, between um, the Trump organization uh, and illicit Russian finance? How long has that been going on for? And the question... Um, and I can tell you, the, you know, it is a question mark. I don't think there is, um, but, but it's, it's, you know, the wilderness of mirrors. There are enough mirrors reflecting the idea that not that we should say that Trump is in collusion, but that we would ask that there are questions to be asked about the, um, you know, the nature of some of his um, activities uh, in Russia, especially in the 1990s, early 2000s. So question marks. I would say question marks. The idea that he says um, that it's nothing, you know, it's all a big fake news thing, and then, the, you know, the hardline critics say, you know, um, you know it's, a, it's a matter of time. I, I think it may be a matter of time. I, I certainly think people in his uh, inner circle um, are, are going to have, questions to answer in the coming weeks now the question okay, is so I, I think you've, you've you've given us a, a fair a fair sense of of, of what's out there and, and how you assess what is out there uh if if i may ask you tom um and and i'm only asking because i because i respect you and your opinion but i want to know because i'm seeing uh, a lot of folks out there especially on the national security side who who get really close to the line of making specific accusations against the administration, or rather they make specific accusations without evidence and then actually treat it as a foregone conclusion that they will find that evidence for the accusation later, which is really you know, not how it's supposed to go. I will, what, what does your, and if you don't want to tell me what your gut tells you where this is going, that's fine, but I do have to ask the question, what do you really think in your gut we're going to find at the end of this? Where do you think, and I know you're not, this is not a statement of Tom Rogan is telling us this is a fact, but where do you think this is going? Like, what is plausible to you that Manafort is friends with some sketchy FSB guys or that 
Manafort was talking to the FSB about how they were going to selectively leak Hillary's emails once they got access to Podesta, et cetera, et cetera. Do you, do you think I, I that's think, plausible? I think, I, I, think, I think it is likely that there will be people uh, linked to the Trump campaign who engaged in collusion with the Russian government uh, as to the electoral outcome. Now, the caveat to that is I don't think that. Wow, you believe that? Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, I do, I do believe that. Um, and um, I don't think it, I think Trump is right. It didn't actually affect the outcome. Um, and, you know, I, it may be one of those. I think Trump, you know, the big thing with Trump is, right, you set the authority, set the gambit, you know, I'm here to win. Um, the degree to which there is specific connectivity with him, uh, I think he was, he's been ignorant as to the nature of, uh, willfully ignorant to the nature of some of the funding that entered the Trump organization. Um, but in terms of the specific campaign collusion, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. We will see it. But let me tell you this. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tom. But I, I do have I do have some questions here. I mean, I, I want to know why. You, why would the Trump? First of all, why would anybody engage in illegal activity with the Russians that that, that you admit and that I would I'd agree with this almost certainly did not change the electoral outcome? Are they are they so dumb and so reckless, meaning on the American side, that they would trust Russian intelligence to be their friends and allies in this? I I can't imagine that whether it's Paul Manafort or any of the other. I know there's at least three that their names keep uh, popping up here uh, that any of them wouldn't recognize that once the Russians have you compromised, especially if it's with something that could get you thrown in prison, they own you. But why do that for for what purpose if it's not? It, it, they can't really think that that's good. Or do you think that their calculation was that it would change the election and so they're willing to roll the dice on that? But but that's pretty desperate. Well, again, here, look, we are talking, this is my assessment of what I, what I think is more likely. I think a couple of things. Number one, I think there's some very arrogant people, <clears throat> I apologize, who um, perhaps even thought that, you know, what they were doing in terms of conversations uh, were not... Uh, we're not illegal. Uh, I think there were others who just assumed that it would not be uh, their activities in, you know, in terms of meetings would not be, you know, monitored. I mean, we even saw that with Flynn to a degree. Um, so an arrogance, um, a sort of, you know, ignorance at the same time. Um, but also the shared, I mean, it was pretty obvious behind the scenes that the Russians had a pathological hatred of Clinton uh, and that the, the Trump people, you know, very desperately wanted to win. Um, and, you know, this is, you know, politics just as in, in the same way that we see a lot of collusion between super PACs and campaigns in terms of funding, which I think is a real problem. Frankly, you know, I mean, it's a very serious problem um, that, that, you know, people do things that are bad if they think they can get away with it. And if they think. OK, OK, but it, is right. OK. Is there a point at which, though, Tom, if this investigation goes forward, is there a point at which you would admit you, you'd be willing to concede uh there's nothing here. How do, how would we get to that point? Because I also worry about the well. It's it's never going to be enough investigation yeah, of these yeah, ties, exactly. right? And so we're going to have to hear about this for four or eight years. I think that's an important point, and I was actually going to caveat that. Look, look, if this, I think this is something that would come to a head, um, really to the point where it would force me. It, the only way I would say, you know, not 
you know, re-engage my concerns would, you know, that the re-engagement of concerns would have to be a story, a huge, you know, story, you know, years down the road. But I think in the next six months, you know, this this should come, which is a lot of time, but, you know, the, the complexity of this investigation. But let me tell you this, if, if, if we have, um, you know, an unequivocal statement, um, collective assessment, uh, if the Europeans of course, because they have their own, you know, people remember the European intelligence service, the French and Germans love to spy on Americans in Europe, right? So there's, there are other, you know, forces at play here. If the collective assessment there is that no, no collusion, uh, I'll very happily say, listen, um, you, this is, you know, to some degree, you know, as doing opinion journalist, national security, you, you, your job is to, um, or I see it as my job to, to make an assessment based on things. But I will say I was wrong. Um, I'm glad I'm wrong. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, even to the point of, you know, probably offering some kind of, not that they necessarily would care about that, but uh, apology to, you know, I haven't mentioned specific names for, this, for the fact that, you know, you, you are dealing. No, you haven't. And Tom, you haven't gone as far as others. And this is why I want to talk to you about it, because I know you have you have some instincts that there's something really wrong going on here, but you haven't gone to the, at least I haven't seen it you know, in print as I have with others of saying, of saying that basically this is our, it's just a matter of time. It's a countdown until the Trump administration, you know, right. until Trump gets frog marched out of the white house in cuffs because he betrayed him. There are people who are really taking that as their line on this. And we're just, and they already, they assume that this will be found out. And to me, I'm like, that's a pretty big assumption. Well, and, and also here, you know, I, I think my, um, you know, it, it, it's not just sort of gut instinct, right? You know, I, I try and, you know, you know, it's very hard to get people to go on the record with this for, for very many reasons. But, but it's, you know, that, that you, you, you try and look into it. But, it, but at the same time here, um, you know, I, I hear you in the sense that, you know, it, it's calibrating emotion and, um, you know, objectivity, right? Trying to put, put emotion aside. Um, but, but you're right. There are a lot of people who... Um, you know, just expect that this is um, going to come to come to a crunch point. And I have to say, as well, as someone who was deeply skeptical of uh, the president, I mean, I'm, I'm skeptical of you know some of the stuff he, he says about you know free speech and the media, and but it doesn't concern me. It's not a threat to the republic. It's not a threat to journalists. It's not worth hyperbolic you know hyperventilation. But on, on other areas, I mean, you know, I have specific concerns about policy issues. But but as a conservative, when you talk about the deregulation effort. Um, you know, especially uh, listening to business leaders, which President Obama pretended to do but never did, and the idea to push forwards on tax reform, on health care reform. I mean, these are really positive, constructive, and quite frankly, bold things for the country. I wish he would talk about entitlement reform, but but it would be much better um, if, you know, if... Tom, if do you, do you want to... I'm sorry, go ahead, finish up. No, I would say I would be much better. I would, I would love to be wrong, genuinely. Um, I don't, you know... You've got to be willing to be wrong. I mean, that's you know that. I mean, you, you make an assessment. Yeah, of course. You know, well, you, and, and, but you have to have humility. Yeah, this is this is why I'm I'm troubled by people that are that are putting the conclusion ahead of evidence here with what the Trump ties to Russia are. No, and and, and say, my gut tells me for for a whole set of separate reasons that I just don't see this for for Donald Trump himself. A, a few lower level aides did they take you know bags of money to subvert democracy in Ukraine or something? I don't know. Maybe 
fine, look into that. But the, some of the stuff about how this means Trump is is a traitor, that's where I that's where I start to say that just that just doesn't make any sense to me. But, Tom, I know we prom- we were going to bring you on and we brought you on to talk about your piece in National Review. We've kept you super long. Can you stay through the break? And we'll talk about three uh, immediate priorities for McMaster. Or do you got to go? I understand either way. Absolutely. No, I'd love to stay through the break. Thank you. OK, Tom's piece on NationalReview.com is three immediate priorities for McMaster. We're going to hit that right on the other side. Stay right with us. The Buck Sexton Show. Discover more at theblaze.com slash radio. The Blaze Radio Network. The offer of a... This is the Buck Sexton Show. All right, team, we're back with Tom Rogan, National Review policy writer and contributor to McLaughlin Group. Uh, he's got a piece up about three immediate priorities for McMaster. Tom, I, I know you're going to say yes because everyone who knows anything says yes. McMaster, uh, Mattis, these are excellent picks, uh, and, and uh, Kelly. These are excellent picks, very well regarded, highly regarded military men. Uh, what do you think are these three immediate priorities for McMaster? Yeah, very good. But one of the things that I mentioned in my piece, and frankly I should have expanded on it a bit more, uh, is what uh, Jim Reese, is a former Delta Force uh, Task Force commander, told me, which is that when you have McMaster as a three-star um, in the, uh, you know, as the primary, you know, assistant to the president for national security affairs, then you are dealing potentially with with bureaucra- bureaucratic pressures from the Joint Chiefs, who are four stars, uh, in terms of essentially taking direction from him. So that's an odd situation that we'll have to pay heed to. Um, but in terms of the priorities, the ones I talk about are the idea that. McMaster, because of the credibility that he has, you know, should take a trip to U.S. allies, especially in Europe, matters in NATO. It helps the president achieve his, uh, I would say, righteous agenda of making the Europeans pay more for defense, uh, but also consolidating them. Um, beyond that, when we look at the um, process in the, uh, the interagency process in national security affairs, there is relative chaos at the moment in the sense that people don't know who they're reporting to. They don't know if Bannon's in charge. They don't know uh, if Katie McFarland's in charge. They don't know if Trump is, you know, what does Trump Trump want to know? I think McMaster needs to get back to grips with that. And he needs to sit down with the president and say, okay, sir, you know, what are the five big things that you want to be regularly briefed about? Because we know that Trump is not particularly interested in the minutiae of intelligence. Um, And and so it's this idea, I think, of putting putting a, a, you know, allowing the bureaucracy to function as best that it can, uh, because at the moment, you know, there is a dysfunction inherent in it, um, and that is not good for for anyone um, from the president down. Now, you think that this team will be able to work pretty well together? There's been a lot of back and forth about uh, Bannon on the NSC, and Bannon has has gotten a, a lot of attention in the last few days for, I mean, you had Charles Crothammer saying that he's the brains of the operation inside the White House, which... Uh, that's quite a statement to make. Um, do you think that these are personalities that will work together? I, I have a feeling that uh, the, having people of the stature of McMaster and Mattis uh, in their roles, these are people who can tell the administration what they think and can stand firm if they think the administration is wrong. I mean, someone like McMahon, uh, like McMattis, <laughs> actually, that's like a superhero. You combine McMaster right, and Mattis. Right, right. McMattis. Um, anyway, uh, someone of Mattis' stature. Uh, I would be hard-pressed even, I think, to find 
many normal run-of-the-mill Trump supporters who would say, yeah, Mattis, you know, if he opposed Trump on, on a policy issue, they'd say, yeah, Mattis is a sellout. Trump should just do it. No, Mattis knows what he's talking about and is respected by everybody who knows who should be respected. Right, exactly. And I think that's the thing. And I think that has to be said, you know, we were talking obviously quite, well, I was sort of relatively critically um, about President Trump before, but I think he does deserve credit. Well, this is the thing I find very strange about him is that he does says these sort of erratic comments, but then he appoints people who are known for challenging whoever they're talking to. McMaster and Mattis is the two best examples. Um, and, and look, I think you're right. I think they bring credibility. They also bring loyalty to the president, which is important. Um, but they will. These are not people who are going to be cowed out. Um, I think Trump knows that if he really went off the deep end, they would they would resign uh, before they you know jumped on a crazy bandwagon. And and so that gives you confidence, hopefully, that that Trump you know has you know that that for his rhetoric perhaps is more targeted towards that you know get a good deal mentality that he talks about a lot rather than you know anything actually sort of too uh, odd. Tom Rogan has his latest pieces and all of his pieces up for National Review at nationalreview.com. Our friend Tom, thanks for hanging out with us this Friday afternoon. Come back soon, all right? Thanks. That was great. Thanks. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon, man. Uh, team, we got a break, and then we'll be back on the flip side. Stay with me. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Dispensing the truth. This is Buck Sexton. On the Blaze Radio Network. Team, you probably heard me letting the the, uh, the actual uh, Freedom Hut squad that, that runs the show there for a second. I figure it's fine. You can hear a little behind the scenes. Why not? So uh, I'm going to play a little more of this Tucker interview. This was great. I mean, Tucker's show, isn't it amazing that, that to bring real leftists on a show and engage in this kind of a debate, his people are, are hungry to see this happen, and this is why the show is doing so well. And also, Megyn Kelly wanted $20 million to stay at Fox News. She left, and her replacement is beating her from go in the ratings. That's pretty astonishing, really. Okay, uh, so here we are, Tucker debating Zach Pet- Petkanas on the uh, LGBT bathroom student locker room issue and we're just going to pick this up and i'll walk you through more of this oh i mean what we know is that he put these protect he put these protections in place and let's be clear about what we're actually talking about this is guidance that was provided to schools that schools wanted and asked for and it is very it's for okay that's very disingenuous uh it's guidance because schools didn't want to get sued by people who take the obama point of view that a man can decide or a boy can decide that he's a girl and that's all that you have to do but I want to move on from that because it gets better and more. This whole notion of the guidance, Tucker says the guidance is still out there. The, the states can use it or not use it. It just doesn't mean the federal government is dictating this. And I, I was surprised Tucker didn't bring up. He did a very good job in this interview. But I was surprised he didn't bring up that Obama threatened to withhold federal funds, school funds. So let boys use the girls' locker room when they want to or else you don't get money from the federal government for your school. Everyone in your district still has to pay federal taxes, of course, but you don't get money for your schools. That was the, that was the threat from Obama. I want to pick this up, though. Here's Tucker. The core question is what constitutes male and female. And the implication of these guidelines that Obama put in place is that 
A man is someone who says he's a man, and a woman who's, is someone who says she's a woman. You get to decide your gender. You're, there's no biological anchor to sex anymore. It's all determined by the individual. So my obvious question for you is, how do I know if a person's male or female? Is there some other absolute standard that people have to meet to be male or female, other than what they Think about that question for a second. It's a, it's a, not just a valid, and it is a necessary, it is an essential question in this discussion. So now gender, which they have separated artificially from sex, meaning male or female, gender is a what? If it's a psychological construct, then it is whatever someone says it is. And the moment that you try to institute any because uh, this is usually what would happen here, and, and I'll, I'll let this other guy answer. His his answers are nonsense, by the way, not just because he's wrong, but he doesn't even take the the real progressive line. The real progressive line on this is that gender is a psychological and social construct. Therefore, also race is a psychological and social construct. And the way that you judge these things is because we're talking about a scale, you have to judge the sincerity of that psychological construct, which is more art than science. And they will have to concede that, but they'll say things like, well, if you're transitioning to female or to male or to female or whatever, you, you take hormone therapy and you dress a certain way and maybe you need a doctor's note from a psychiatrist, you know, they'll 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 put those little benchmarks into place which are of course arbitrary but they have to do that and this guy doesn't even say that he just says he just won't answer the question because unless you're willing to concede that which of course is arbitrary and it's also uh, it's also a bad argument it's not really an argument but he's not even making that argument he's just gonna make he doesn't have an answer because the way he sets this up this democrat is well yeah it's whatever you say it is that's what has to be the answer here's how it goes what they say one, one's gender identity is, is enough to show what gender they are. And so if you're okay. confused about that. So what does that what does that mean? One's gender identity is enough to. Sh so then it's literally just like I'm a female today. I'm a male tomorrow. How does how does he stop me from doing that? I mean, I leave that, you know, to your level of enlightenment. And, and, uh, and what a snide little thing this guy says, by the way, to your level of enlightenment. Uh, I, I can tell this is when Tucker kind of cracks the knuckles and is like, oh, oh, for real, son? It's like that? Anyway, here's how it goes on. No, no, this is, it's not about enlightenment. It's not about moral status. This is a real question because there are all kinds of institutions in American life that function on a sex-segregated basis. Women's college, sports, both professional and amateur, prisons. And so you're telling me that I can play on a woman's sports team when I say I'm a woman. Well, we are, what we are saying is that... Notice no answer. The real progressive answer to that question that Tucker posed is yes. And it's already happening. But that has to be the answer. There cannot be a different answer. This is why there this is why I, I won't do it. I'm not calling a he or she. I'm, I'm not, I, I won't do it. I will not comply. I just will not comply. Sorry. That in this guidance with public schools, which were in and the vulnerable kids that are there, that there are specific guidelines that these teachers and these supervisors and these principals asked for and how to create safe. Okay, but safe now you're this guy is just repeating non sequiturs and nonsense. What is that has nothing to Tucker asked a very specific question. 
And if you listen to my show last night, these are all the points that I was hitting. Uh, I'm not suggesting Tucker had like an earpiece in. I'm just saying that the this is this is the argument. This is the crux of the argument. And this guy who is who's on national TV in front of about three million people can't make any rational defense of it because, well, one, he doesn't even really know what his own side's argument is. You're going back to the first question. You but just said a second ago that that is what we're that is what we're talking no, about. No, let me take you back three sentences. When you said gender identity is determined by the person who possesses it, that's mm-hmm. almost exactly what you said. Correct. And, and I'm saying there are massive implications of this that everyone is either too dumb or too embarrassed to explore. But let's do so now. If your sex is what you say it is, then what prevents me from playing on a women's field hockey team? What prevents me from getting convicted of a felony and demanding to go to a women's prison? And it's a real question. It's, it's not a, it's not a real question. Why is it question. not a real question? It's, it's, it's not a real question because it is pretty absurd. And there are no... Nope. Guy doesn't have an answer. It's a completely real question. This, uh, this guy is making a, com- is a, making a clown of himself. Uh, this Zach Petkanas on TV. Pet Canis, um, making a cloud of himself, doesn't even know his own side's argument. He doesn't know any argument. He's just used to going out and spewing Democrat talking points and, and you know, gets clapped for by Democrats and Republicans are like, who is this moron? Doesn't even know his own side's argument. The answer to the question, if you believe that Caitlyn Jenner is a woman, if you believe that you should call her she, the answer to the question, can 14-year-old Bobby play on you know, uh, a, a lacrosse team. Well, yeah, play on a lacrosse team with a bunch of 14 year old girls because Bobby says he's a woman at 14. When I, I, I was lucky, you know, I'm lucky I had parents who cared about me and took care of me when I was 14. You know, lucky I didn't wander off and, uh, you know, get, get, get lost somewhere. I mean, you know, you're 14, you tend not to, you know, no offense, 14 year olds tend not to know too much about the world. Certainly not about your sexual identity and whether you think you're male or female. Usually you just go with what you are. But anyway, uh, the answer to the question, can 14 year old Bobby play on a women's lacrosse team in high school? And by the way, should we clap for Bobby who's playing on a women's sports team when he inevitably dominates it and, and treat this like it's an accomplishment and all stand there and say, yay, Bobby, you're like running around, you know, annihilating all these women because you have testosterone levels that exceed theirs and musculature that exceeds theirs and are genetically, because of your XY chromosome, in a better place to do this overwhelmingly, not always, but overwhelmingly than all of the women. You know, yeah, we have to say, yay, he's a champion. He's great. I mean, she, I'm sorry, she's a champion. She's great. That's what we're supposed to say. They've lost their minds. I mean, they really have lost the, and this is great because it exposes to any normal right thinking, I don't mean right wing, just rational thinking American, that the progressives are crazy. They have, they're, they're anti-science, they're anti-logic, and they're anti-facts on this one. And it just shows you the groupthink is so strong with them. All right, I've got to go into a break here, and uh, we've got a guest coming up. So I'll be right back in a few minutes, team. Stay with me. Buck Sexton. Dispensing the truth. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Buck Sexton Show on the Blaze Radio Network. 
All right, everybody, we got Kelsey Harkness with us now. She's a senior news producer at The Daily Signal and a contributor at The Federalist. Uh, uh, Kelsey, you're at CPAC. How's it going down there? Hey, Buck, it's great. I wish you were here. I thought maybe this would be the day I'd finally meet you in person. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm like banned from CPAC, but it's a li- it's getting a little. No one's ever asked me to do anything at CPAC. I sort of sit around like, okay. I mean, I don't know. I've done some radio and some stuff and some things, but anyway, yeah, I agree with you. I Matt Schlapp called into my nationally syndicated radio show earlier in the week. I'm like, hey, Matt. So you definitely know who I am. Good talk. Anyway, uh, let's talk about what's going on down there. Um, Pence vows to uh, to end Obamacare nightmare. VP Pence spoke last night. What did he say about Obamacare? Yeah, Obamacare has been probably the biggest policy agenda that's been on the ticket here at CPAC. Uh, both Pence and Trump prom- promised Americans that they were going to follow through and actually repeal and replace Obamacare, which for those who aren't following the news so closely, even some conservatives have some doubts. Just yesterday, a story came out that former House Speaker John Boehner uh, said he doesn't think it's going to happen. And so I think the fact that they responded very quickly and strongly to that message and uh, said this is this is really going to happen, I think, is assuring their conservative base here, who I, I'll say is responding very well to all of the all of the speakers today and particularly President Trump. I think it's also worth noting that the Obamacare nightmare is only set to get worse. Uh, you know, eventually when the employer mandate would kick in uh, fully, this is what people I, I think lose sight of. The right now, it's really just uh, been particularly hard on people who were in the individual market, but it would expand beyond that. They've been holding it back because they realize that there are uh, there would be real consequences to people. But but I digress on that. Also, tell me about actually that's not a digression, Buck. That was right on topic. <laughs> Betsy DeVos confronts trans, uh, transgender controversy at CPAC. What's going on with this? I was just talking about the transgender stuff that Tucker was uh, debating last night on Fox. Yes, of course. Bathrooms are back. We can't seem to have a conference without talking about them. Uh, but but it was in the news this week with the DOJ and education departments deciding to rescind that uh, Obama administration transgender bathroom guidance. And it, what's interesting is that Betsy DeVos, you know, clearly she was speaking to a conservative base, the majority of whom oppose, strongly opposes these transgender bathroom laws. But even here, she sort of walked the line uh, between pulling these regulations back and and saying that she's going to uh, work with her department to protect all students from bullying, from di- discrimination. And I think it's important to note that that can and should be done uh, no matter who is in office. Uh, I, I think that's what gets uh, gets lost a lot when we talk about this issue is the fact that nobody wants transgender students to be bullied. Um, it's just uh, conservatives believe that this issue should be um, taken on at the local levels where people on the ground know the students involved and can figure out a customized solution that works for that student, that particular student, and the rest of the student body. So, of course, Betsy DeVos was asked about it here Um and, 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 and it seemed like she, she wasn't uh, too excited to, to have that conversation, but it did get brought up. I mean, what happens tonight at CPAC, by the way, other than uh, interns having too many wine coolers when all the you know festivities begin? What, what is still on the schedule? <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I've I, been there before. I've just never been invited. But go ahead. 
Oh, well, I, I hate to say it, but I'm, I've been running around all day and I haven't even looked at the schedule myself. I know Trump was the big ticket and usually the big keynote, keynote addresses happen in the evening. Last night uh, was Mike Pence. And I think a lot of the big uh, major speakers have, you know, we had Steve Bannon and Kellyanne Conway, who did a fabulous job. I thought yesterday I shared um, on my Facebook page a clip where she was talking about feminism and she uh, brought up this line from the movie when Harry met Sally. And she said, um, when some, <laughs> for those who didn't watch, it's really worth replaying. But she was asked when she was in her 20s what her speaking fee is. And she had never been asked this before. And it was she was going to a conference to speak with a male. And uh, in the midst of not knowing how to respond, she turns and says, I'll have what he's what he's having, which ended up being a significant sum of money. And she was kind of making the point to young conservative women to stand up for themselves. And uh, she, she was really push, pushing back on this notion of feminism that liberals are. are <laughs> so we saw come up at the Women's March. And I think she she really connected with uh, the young female co- college students here. And she did a great job. It was disgraceful what the media did to DeVos, you know, for a few days. It probably still is the case if I went on Google. Betsy DeVos, Grizzly Bears was what came up on. Well, that was if you typed in Betsy DeVos, Grizzly Bears would come up next because she's so dumb. She thinks that schools need, yeah. you know, OK, well, a school that needs a bear fence might actually also want to have a firearm on the premise. That That's not dumb. But the way that people ran with this, it became, oh, well, she's such an idiot. I'm like, no, she's a kindly billionaire who wants to help kids get a better education. And as you're telling me, wants to empower young women. That should be what comes up in Google. <laughs> yeah, so I think that the media's reaction to that Betsy DeVos comment is actually very symbolic of their reaction to the lar- larger Trump phenomenon, where the media doesn't understand that there are towns in this country that – and there are schools in this country that actually do need guns to protect themselves from bears because most of the journalists who are reporting on Betsy DeVos either live in New York City, uh, in, live in D.C., these really urban areas. Uh, I, I, I would I would it would be interesting. Maybe I should do this for a report. Go around and ask the reporters whether or not they've ever traveled to some of the more rural places in America. And yeah, I think, it would be a great story. Uh, <laughs> Kelsey, we actually got it. We, we're running into a hard break here, but thank you for making some time with us at CPAC. Kelsey Harkness of the Daily Signal and the Federalist, everybody. And uh, team, uh, join me tonight, 6 to 9 Eastern on the night show. Buck Saxon with America now. Until then, Shields High. You're listening to Buck Sexton on the Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess. It's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline, a licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043.